0: to our graduates Chandler, Dallin, Virginia, and Crystal. I'm sorry I couldn't make it today. I'm in Oklahoma with my family as I host, my wife and I's very first baby shower. And whoa, it is really crazy to think about how I'm about to be a dad and raise a baby boy. I can't believe uh, that this moment is so close. I can't believe how fast time has gone by and how quickly it continues to go. Um, And if there's a subject that I've really thought a lot about lately over the past several years, it's about the fleeting nature of our lives. James 4.14 says, You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. The Bible shows us that we should think about how fast life is. Think about how fast you got to this point in your life. Were you not just in kindergarten? Were you not just in that awkwardly terrible stage of adolescence? Were you not just starting your senior year? The next milestones in your life will only speed up time. Every married person you know talks about how fast time goes by. Every person with a kid, they lament about how fast their kids grow up. So your life is about to be put on fast forward after this moment. And with it will come a lot of joy and a lot of pain. In the joyful times, you will be so grateful to God for all the love and blessings He gives to us that we don't deserve. And in the painful times, you will cry out to God for comfort and ask why. But Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1-4 through says, For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh and a time to mourn and a time to dance. But even then, as James reminded us, is nothing in life is promised. We do not decide when these moments will happen. Proverbs 16 tells us that we may plan our course But the Lord directs our steps. So, my encouragement to you is that you plan your course in accordance with God's will. Plan your course on the narrow path that leads to life, flee from the broad path that leads to destruction. One way to do this is to always remember how good God has been to you, especially by remembering Jesus' death on the cross for your sins. Because of the work of Jesus, no matter the circumstances, we can still have joy. Even in the sorrowful moments, because we have a promise that one day every tear will be wiped away. Because of the work of Jesus, we don't have to worry that life is passing us by because we have life everlasting. These moments in our lives, they're just a tiny taste of heaven. This joy you experience in this moment... It should make us long for heaven even more. So go and laugh and dance during the season, even though it's not going to last long. You know that one day, joy even greater than these moments, it will be the experience every moment when we are with Christ. Congratulations to everyone. We wish you the best, and we are praying for you. And we are excited to see what God does in your life.
1: All right, thank you. You know, if you didn't catch the very first part of that, now that's Zach Bauer, our our youth pastor. Uh, He's in Oklahoma this weekend and left that video for us. So we're glad to have you here this morning. I'm going to trust that you can read the announcements in the bulletin because there are several and they are important. Probably the largest uh, group of you that will be interested in knowing something is at 4 o'clock today. Is Vacation Bible School training and we need to have you here for that if you possibly can be here. There's a tab in here, it's a perforated tab, we'd like for all of you who are visiting with us to fill that out, put it in the offering plate, we'll have a record of your visit. Also for guests and members alike, if you'd like to use that same tab for a prayer request, if you'll share the prayer need you have, our staff uh, on Tuesdays when we have our prayer meeting, we pray over the needs that you share with us, it's our privilege to do that, we're delighted to do so. So welcome to the service this morning, we're going to have a great time of worship beginning with a song what a mighty god we serve let's stand together as we sing
2: privilege it is to bow before your throne of grace and mercy this morning acknowledging you as the true and the living God acknowledge you as our Lord and our Savior thank you for all the blessings that you've given to us thank you for your greatness and holiness that sets the pattern and directs our lives day by day Thank you for the Holy Spirit, which dwells within each born-again child of God. We pray especially, Father, for our guests that have gathered with us today. We pray, Lord, that this will be a, a special time for them, and then we pray for our church family. Father, there are those here today with heavy burdens and deep concerns about family members, loved ones who are so special unto them. And I just give you, lift them up unto you this morning and ask your special hand upon them. And then our Father, we have our high school and college graduates here this morning. Thank you for these young people and for the challenge and for the victory that has been theirs through graduation, and the challenges that lie out ahead. Thank you for the adventures of life. And I pray, Father, that each one of them will know you as their personal Lord and Savior, seek to follow you all the days of their life, that they will remember those things that have been imparted to them and planted in their minds. May they, our Father, daily read your word and rely upon you, trusting you to lead and to guide them. We thank you for Broadway Baptist Church. We thank you for our pastor and staff and, Father, for our church family. Holy Spirit, we pray you would breathe upon us this morning in Jesus' precious name. Amen.
3: We have four graduates we're about to recognize. I want to invite them to come on up. Let me grab a microphone. Virginia Smith, Chandler Ott, Crystal Land uh, is on a cruise, so her mother, Miss Danette, is going to come up here, and Miss Dallin Newsome. So y'all come stand up here on the stage. We're going to recognize our high school and our college graduates. Hey, Chandler. I'll start here with, with Crystal, so Danette, this (laughs) Miss (laughs) Danette finally finished high school after all these years. She she made it. So, her daughter is Miss uh, Crystal Land, and she graduated. Um, just a week or so ago, they are from Campbellsville University with a Bachelor of Business Administration with an emphasis there in marketing. So we're excited for Crystal is actually on a cruise. So do you want to say anything? Do you want to say anything to Ned about? <laughs> <Let me> okay, <laughs> I w- did want to ask what were her? Do you, what are her future plans um, after her graduation?
4: Um, she is going to come back. She has a job that's not
0: exactly in
3: marketing. Here you kinda. speak to the microphone. I that's knew there was a way I was going to get her a microphone in her hand.
0: Not exactly in marketing, but um, working towards that. So she's not exactly sure where she's going to land, but that's a good start for her to get some experience well, and then great. look for another job.
3: Wonderful. Well, thank you, Danette. Here's you. her Bible for her so, with that. So thank All you. Right. So we're excited for her. All right. <laughs> this is Chandler Ott. Chandler is graduating from Lexington Christian Academy, and his parents are here, Todd and Gail Ott. Now, Chandler, you are going to the University of Kentucky, is that right? Yep. And what is your major going to be? I don't know. <laughs> so he doesn't know. So he's. The guy. Are you going to live there on campus? Yes. Yeah. So all right. Well, that's we are excited, Chandler, for you coming through here and the uh, student ministry here at Broadway, and certainly graduating high school, have a bright future there at UK. So congratulations. Thank you. So here's your Bible. Right. Virginia, this here is Virginia Smith, and her parents are Darren and Susan Smith. Now, Virginia graduated from Dunbar. Now, Virginia is going to Center College, and that's actually a school Lottie Moon used to teach at many, many years ago. I think I talked about that back in Lottie Moon's season, so she was our Southern Baptist missionary with that. Virginia, what is, um, what's your major going to be? Undecided. So, so, that's in uh, uh, Center College, is located there in Danville, so 35 miles down the road. So, congratulations, Virginia. Thank that's you. exciting. Thank so, you. for that, you. here's your Bible. This here is Dallin Newsom, and her parents uh, are Robert as well as Denise Newsom here. And uh, Dallin graduated from Lafayette, right down the road, and she's going to Eastern Kentucky University, and I think you have, you've decided your major, Uh it's nursing, so all right, it's exciting, so you'll be moving there to Richmond, so Dallin, congratulations, how exciting for that, so we congratulate you for that, here's your Bible, so congratulations. Those are our high school and our college graduates here at Broadway, so Congratulations.
1: There are multiple ways to sing praises to the Lord, and the choir is going to do one now called Praise His Holy Name. by singing, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's stand together and we sing.
2: Father in heaven, we thank you for this day, and we ask that you, Lord, would take these tithes and offerings and uh, use them for your kingdom, and uh, bless those uh, hands that would uh, offer a tithe today, Father. We just ask that you would uh, spend a a dollar like a thousand, Father. We just thank you for this day. In your name we pray. Amen.
5: of of angel angel wings wings, I see glory the hem of his garment, I can almost see his face.
0: Steve, Carrie,
3: thank you so much. That was outstanding. Surely the Lord is in this place. If you have your Bible, open them up to the book of 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 11. We are going to see here, and we're going to see a message in a, uh, the Scripture speaking to you about what it means to develop a biblical worldview. This completely changes and affects how you and I think. And it's really geared towards our um, high school, even college graduates, because you're going to go off To school or go off to the world, and uh, you're exposed to things that, truthfully, they go contrary to Scripture. So you, in many ways, you have to mentally be prepared to think, okay, what do I believe, and why do I believe it? And when I'm confronted with some of these uh, ideas, how do I respond to this? I want you to turn your Bible. We're going to see here about a man named Solomon. Solomon's heart was led astray Solomon was David's son he was the third king of Israel Solomon made a mistake early in his life he married someone he shouldn't have he married Pharaoh's daughter and what happened is the Bible says when he married Pharaoh's daughter it was more of a like a political marriage so that he would have a good Israel and Egypt would have a good friendship and they wouldn't go to war with each other. But the problem with that is it led Solomon's heart astray. And what happened is he was one of these guys. He said, you know, I'm going to worship the Lord here of Israel, but I'm also going to worship the gods of Egypt. And he allowed false worship. He tried to serve as the, Jesus described. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot worship two gods. You can't have your heart divided. And here's a picture we're about to read of a man whose heart was divided. And we're going to see here, uh, it, it grieved the Lord. He was saddened by what Solomon did. Because I think what happens, and how this applies to us today, you'll grow up here in church, you'll come to all the children and youth activities, and you'll be on fire for Jesus You'll be at the church just like I was every time the doors were open. But what happens sometimes to folks, they go off to school, wherever that is, or they go off into the world, wherever that is, and they work. And then all of a sudden, things start to change. They went from being at church all the time, being in their Bible, having that close walk with the Lord, being devoted to God, to all of a sudden, they... they Turn 24 25 years old, and you think, Man, I haven't been in church in six years. The way I'm making decisions and the way I'm acting and my thought life and my relationships is completely contrary to scripture. So, what happened is you grow up and you have this biblical worldview, but then you get into the world and it's no longer a biblical worldview, it really becomes, a, I guess, an American worldview where. It's a lot different than the Scriptures. And that's what we're going to see here. It's very easy for us to fall into the same trap as Solomon did, where our heart becomes divided. You marry Pharaoh's daughter. Some of you here have married Pharaoh's daughter. and I'm not talking about literally marriage. I'm talking about you've brought something or someone into your life that has no business being there. And it will pull your heart away from God. God judged Solomon because he had a divided heart. All right. 1 Kings chapter 11. Want you follow we'll read uh, 10 verses here. King Solomon loved many foreign women. That's uh, right there. Right? I mean that's, that's you can you can just that sets the chapter up for failure. He loved these women who did not know the Lord. He brought people into his life that should not be there. In addition to Pharaoh's daughter, that was his first mistake. This man married Pharaoh's daughter. He had no business marrying Pharaoh's daughter and bringing his and start worshiping her false gods—Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidianite, Hittite women from the nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites: You must not intermarry with them, and they must not intermarry with you because they. Will turn your heart away to follow their gods. Do you know Paul warns us in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that we are not to marry a non Christian? Do you all know that? If you're dating someone who's, who's not a believer, you need to break up with them. Evangelism dating does not work. What happens when you marry somebody who doesn't have God fearing biblical beliefs? They, the Bible says they will lead your heart away from the Lord. You will have a divided house. It, it, uh, Paul uses the phrase, do not be unequally yoked. Right here, Solomon is unequally yoked. He's married Pharaoh's daughter and some other too. And they have pulled his heart away. His heart is no longer set on the Lord. And we're going to we're make a distinction here, the be, difference between David and Solomon, because there's a huge difference between these two men. His father was David. Verse we're verse latter part of verse two. We ain't made it very far. It says here They will turn your heart away to serve their gods. To these women Solomon was deeply attached and in love. He has seven hundred wives who were princesses. And 300 who were concubines, and they turned his heart away. This man, you know Solomon married probably more people in the history of the world, and he was the wealthiest man to ever live. And he brought heartache into his life. He had problems. When Solomon was old, so here is old Solomon now, his wives turned his heart away. Do you know what's powerful about that? That meant when he was a young man, when he was coming up through youth group, when he was a college student, he loved the Lord. He was passionate about the God of a father of David, that the the man, his father was King David, who taught him about the Lord. And Solomon had that passion, but then, as he aged, as he grew up, he became divided. We see this sad picture of him. He followed these other gods. He was not wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord his God as his father David had been. Solomon followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the city nights, and Milcom the abhorrent idols of the Ammonites, Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight. And unlike his father David, he did not remain loyal to the Lord. He was not loyal to God. At that time, Solomon built a high place for Chamos, the abhorrent idol of Moab and for Milcom, the abhorrent idol of the Ammonites on the hill across from Jerusalem. He did the same for all his foreign wives who were burning incense and offerings. Offering sacrifices to their gods. The Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. He had commanded him about this. You know, isn't that sad? God even warned Solomon what he was doing. He said, Solomon, buddy, be careful. You've married Pharaoh's daughter, you're worshiping their idols. But he didn't listen. He had commanded him about this, that he would not follow other gods. But Solomon did not do what the Lord had commanded. He did not listen to the Lord. The Lord had even appeared to Solomon. But Solomon did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. He invited the worldly culture of his wives and the surrounding nations and the the people who did not love the Lord into his life, and he built high places, he worshipped idols, he worshipped their gods, and even allowed, he permitted this false god worship under his kingdom. And what's sad about that, Solomon's one of these guys who started well. He came out of the gate, and he was in first place, but he finished last. And the Lord said, you've turned into an evil man. You know, one of the prophecies about Solomon is after Solomon... His kingdom would be divided. God said, the next chapter says, you know, I'm going to break your kingdom up. But for the sake of David, there's still going to be a place for Judah, for David's uh, tribe, for him to have his own kingdom. But eventually, both of them would collapse. So what we see here is we're going to tie all this together in, in about a biblical worldview. You don't need to turn there, but back in 1 Kings 3.1 is when Solomon's fall started. He went and found Pharaoh's daughter. And he married her. And from that point on, it went downhill for him. He provided a facility to worship their gods. See, Solomon was one of these guys. He would fit well into 2018. Because if you walked up to him, he's like a politician. He'd look at you and say, man, I love the Lord. We worship God. We've got our temple. He even built the, even built the temple for God. He's got the temple there. But he's, not only does he have the place for worship the Lord God of the Bible, he also permits false worship. He allowed his wives to make high places and burn incense to these other gods. Solomon started committing these small sins. You know, he probably, probably looks at You know, this marriage here with Pharaoh's wife, or Pharaoh's daughter, it can't be that bad because, I mean, we have a good relationship. She's a lovely lady, and how bad can it be? We'll just marry her, and our countries will be friends. We don't have any problems, but small sins lead to big sins. When a marriage in the beginning seems there will be no problem marrying someone who's not a believer, but then down the road you realize, what have I done? This isn't what I was expecting. My heart has gone away from the Lord. Small sins are like baby snakes. That's what they're like. When they're small, you know, they're still deadly. But you feel like they're not as deadly when you see a small snake. Small, a small venomous snake is still deadly. But the problem with that is they grow into huge serpents. And they look innocent, even though they're still deadly. But then they grow up and they're really deadly. That's what's happened to Solomon. He just allowed this into his life. I wanted to explain the difference between Solomon's sin and David's sin. David's sin, he had personal failures. But the difference, he was always committed to the Lord. Solomon's problem was he just lacked the commitment. David was one of these guys. Look here on the screen. David committed adultery at Bathsheba, yet he, he completely knew it was wrong. He's one of these guys committing adultery. He's quoting the seventh commandment. He knows it's wrong. Like, you don't have to convince them. He knew what he was doing was wrong. He repented of his sin. He was confronted by the prophet Nathan, and he was realized, Lord, I have sinned. That was his response. He didn't try to justify it. He didn't try to argue himself out. He had this passion for the Word of God so that even when David did do something wrong, he even knew it was wrong Why he was doing it. He repented of his sin, but he had this loyal, undivided devotion to God. You could not break King David's devotion to God. Now, you might get him to sin over here with Bathsheba, and he knew it was wrong, but the man loved the Lord. He would do anything. To honor the Lord. He would never, he would never, with God, whenever God rebuked David, David repented of that. He turned back to the Lord. When the prophets came to David, he said, I have sinned. Let me tell you, Solomon was different. Solomon's like people today. He's 2018. Solomon's one of these guys, he worshiped the Lord, he did. But he also worshiped other gods. He worshiped the God of Pharaoh's daughter and he didn't see anything wrong with it what's wrong with it yeah i worship the lord but also his heart and the bible describes that as a divided heart he's the guy that speaks one thing out of his mouth but his other actions or is what we call hypocrisy he's someone who's saying one thing and the other the other item doesn't line up so how does all this relate to today well, look here, here is, here is American world, here's the American worldview, I have a slide up, up on the screen, so what's going to happen, you're going to go off to college, you go to Center College, go to University of Eastern Kentucky, or you go here, UK, and you're going to go off to school, and you're going to have um, a doctor, professor, and he's going to uh, speak to you, and uh, you'll look up to them and listen to them, because you've paid thousands and thousands of dollars to, to listen to these folks, and they're going to say things that are contrary to the Bible. And you don't have to go off to school to this. You, you go to Walmart and you'll hear this stuff. It's everywhere. Uh, this, is, this is the American worldview for 2018. This is what folks say. You know And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about two issues that are, you will be pounded with today on worldview. Number one's homosexuality. Number two is abortion. Those are the two issues. You're going to go off school and folks will tell you, you know, marriage is important. You know, people, anyone will say, yeah, marriage is important. That's good. There's nothing wrong with marriage. But then these people will say, "But you know, that's good. That marriage is important. But there's also American worldview says there's nothing wrong with homosexual marriage. It's still marriage. It's just you marry who you love. Like what's wrong with it? That is a divided. That is a divided worldview because you've got the God created marriage, and we're going to see that here. He did it in Genesis 2:24. He performed the first marriage between Adam and Eve." And we acknowledge marriage, but then you take something as the sacred act of marriage and you twist and pervert it and you make it something that the Lord Lord hates. It's wrong, it's immoral. And we justify by saying, well, you marry who you love. That will happen. This also happens. Do you know every two-year-old, if you've ever been around two-year-olds, did you know two-year-olds believe, little two-year-olds believe, little two-year-old boy, that he is the center of the universe? And his worldview is selfish. If you or I aren't careful, our worldview becomes selfish. How this occurs is we believe that, do you know, God wants me to be happy. I want my toys, I want my bottle, I want my juice, my donut, whatever you want. So give it to me. God, make me happy. And what happens, we believe God should be lining up with my happiness. My life, instead of you and I lining up with what God has said. Do you all see the difference? A two-year-old is not going to line up with Scripture. No matter what you tell them, you, that you can't sit there and quote a Bible verse to them and say, Thus saith the Lord, little, little boy, you need to do this. They don't think that way. They're, they're immature. They're babies. But when we as adults, when we say, God, I, w- I know you want me to be happy. So therefore, I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. And God, you you line up with me. This is this American selfish worldview that has infiltrated our culture. It's everywhere. A a biblical worldview, and we're about to see this here, a biblical worldview, Broadway, is when we line up with what God is there. say, look at this next screen. Here's a biblical worldview. This is it. This is how you and I need to think. Every decision, every thought, Every information that you receive, you pass it through the lens of Scripture. What does God say about this? Let me illustrate this. Let me pick on someone here. <coughs> Ray Vasky here, in the front row. He comes up to me and says, after church says, Daniel, let's go steal a car. Like, why do we have to buy cars and have car payments? Like, who wants to do this stuff anymore? Who wants to pay a car payment? We'll just go find a nice car and steal it, and there you go. I say, well, Ray, that sounds like fun, but the Eighth Commandment says, Thou shalt not steal. So that's why I do not steal cars. I know that sounds simple, but this is a worldview thinking. So then, say uh, the door door, uh, knocks in a house, uh, we're at home this afternoon, Sherry and I, and Sherry's taking a nap, and it's three o'clock, and the doorbell rings, and we go down there, and it's two homosexual men standing there. And they say, hello, pastor, we'd like to get married. We love each other, and we love to get married. Will you marry us tonight at church? I would look at them and say, guys, that's sad to hear. The Bible says homosexuality is a sin. In fact, in Genesis 2, 24, God performed the first marriage between one man and one woman, Adam and Eve, and brought them together. And it says the two become one flesh. That's the biblical standard for marriage. So I do not do, we don't perform homosexual marriages because it goes against the scripture. Like I say, this is biblical worldview. This is how every single person in this auditorium needs to be thinking. Every decision, you runs through a lens. Someone walks up to you, and says, "Hey, let's go commit adultery. Let's go to the strip club. There'd be some great girls there. You think, okay? Seventh commandment is, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Also, 1 Thessalonians 4, 4 tells us to flee from sexual immorality. So what happens is, every when you are confronted with something, this is how it thinks, when you are confronted with something, whether you're going to go commit adultery, whether you need to go steal a car, or you need to participate in a homosexual marriage, all of these things should be running through a filter in your mind, and that filter is your Bible. That is what a biblical worldview is. This is how every single one of us here in this church should be thinking. This is what it means to become holy like the Lord. God has called and he has equipped you to holiness, and he expects us to be making decisions, our life, lined up with this Bible that is our his expectation for us so when you don't have a biblical worldview when you are doing things when you th- when you hear ray vassy's request let's go steal a car oh, that sounds i need a new car mine's getting a little junky and old and i don't want to spend any of my money let's steal someone else's we'll let the insurance company pay for it they can, they've got plenty of money and you go steal that car what you've done is you have a now a divided heart against the lord because you have broken the eighth commandment thou shalt not steal that's division in your life. You're pulling a Solomon. You have married Pharaoh's daughter. You've done something that's wrong in the sight of the Lord. Look at this. The Bible determines if something is right or wrong. That's, how, that's where our morality comes from. It doesn't come from politicians or certainly Hollywood and that stuff. It comes from God. He's the one who gives us morality. That's how we know. This is, what you, this is why children ministry, youth ministry, and college ministry is so important because young people have to know this because they will, they're going to go down the street to Kentucky and they're going to be indoctrinated by the opposite of that. Listen, Satan, he attacks people's worldview. He realizes if I can, if I can warp these people's mind and get them divided like Solomon, I've got them. I've got them. That's how he, that's how he destroyed Solomon's life. He divided the man's heart. Go marry Pharaoh's daughter. Bring in this, uh, this far and worship into your life. You, know, you can still have your Bible over here, but you'll also have this garbage in your life. And the Lord is not pleased with this. Every decision you and I make, it must be run through a filter of what does the Bible say. How does this, this is why you need to be in church and Bible study and Sunday school. Know your Bible. Because if you don't know, you're not going to know what the scriptures say about this. All right, you're going to go off to college, and this is what's going to happen. These are the two issues I want to tell you something. Two issues everyone in this room needs to know about. Okay, they're up here on the board. You need to know about what you believe because this will be attacked today. You're going to go off school, you go to work, you go anywhere, and homosexuality is unfortunately now accepted here in our culture. There was a city that used to exist. We're going to, we're going to Israel in January. And let's say Ray wanted to go on that trip, and he said, Pastor, I want to go tour Sodom. I say, well, Ray, there once was a city named Sodom, and it was south of the Dead Sea, but it's no longer there. It got destroyed by God. And we don't have time to turn I think a year ago I preached on this. In Genesis 18, 20, and also in Genesis 19, 4, and 5. These are verses you need to know. These are worth writing down to teach people what, what Sodom is. Sodom was a city that was destroyed by God. The Bible says that Sodom committed a sin that was very serious there in 1820. Then the sin is revealed in nineteen four and 5. And that sin was two angels showed up in the city, and the men of the city came to have sex with them. And the angels realized this is wickedness, this is awful, and he blinded their eyes. And they pulled out Lot and his family. They didn't all make it out, but uh, some of the family actually laughed at what the angels and Lot said with that. And we're not getting into the definitions, but there's a word that comes from Sodom. It's called sodomy. Now, you can look it up on your own, but that is a reference to homosexuality. And it's condemned in the scriptures. Guys, y'all have to know this. You're going to go off to school, and if you do not understand what the Bible says about this, next thing you will know, you'll be 25 years old, and you'll think, well, there's nothing wrong with homosexuality. As long as folks love everybody. Doesn't God, he's a God of love. Everybody should accept it. Paul wrote about this also in Romans chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. And he said, in verse 28, what happens is people's mind becomes so warped, so depraved, the Bible actually says, God just allows them to He just turns them over to their wickedness. He just allows them to go to hell. He says "If they, what has been created perfect in the image of God has been distorted by man and sinful man. You must know what you believe today in 2018 on the issue of homosexuality. The Bible says it's wrong. If a homosexual wants to go to heaven, they need to repent of their sin and trust in Jesus as their Savior. And they will and can be saved. Listen, we don't send people to hell here. God allows people in their sin, by not repenting of their sin, to go to hell. God sends them to hell because they do not have Jesus as their Savior. We believe, it be, it's not, this isn't me saying this. So homosexuality is a sin because God says so. Homosexual marriage is wrong because the Bible defined marriage in Genesis 2.24. As one man and one woman, God performed the first marriage. Number two, abortion. Do you know God created us in the womb? It's actually there in Psalm 139, 13. And it's also there in Jeremiah. Jeremiah even said, my, my, my God knit me together. Jeremiah 1, 5, in the womb. He put me together in that. You will be indoctrinated that, home, that abortion, that abortion, it's not a baby in the womb, it's a fetus, and it's a woman's right to kill and destroy that. You have to know, your Bible, that from the moment of conception, that when God creates someone in the womb, they are a person. And we remember the sixth commandment is, Thou shalt not kill. We We don't do abortion, we don't support abortion, because it kills people in the womb. And these verses here on the screen remind us that God created... Children, even at the moment of conception, in the womb. Now, Tuesday, you're gonna go vote. I don't want to tell you how I vote. Tuesday is gonna be my first election. We are scheduled to vote at Quest Community Church. That's where we'll go, our little polling place. Share and go there and vote. I vote on these issues, especially abortion, because the, here in our nation, we're missing 50 million people since 1973. They're gone. There's one abortion clinic here in our state. Uh, it's in Louisville. That's the last one left here in Kentucky. The only way this is going to be overturned in our nation is by the Supreme Court there in Washington. If you don't vote, what you're saying, if you don't vote for people who, who are um, anti-abortion, who are pro-life, you're basically saying, ah, it's not important. It's no big deal. You should be passionate Every single Christian should be at the polls. They should know who they're going to vote for. They should go there and say, I'm going to vote for people with the closest that have a biblical worldview. If that's possible. Say, I'm going to find it. Some of you here, if you're not going to vote, some of you need to be running for office. In fact, the pastor at First Baptist Charlotte, North Carolina, just two weeks ago, he went and ran, got one. He ran for congressman. He actually won uh, his... um, uh, primary now he's going to go and run against the democrat but he re- he was convicted about this Saying, i'm going to actually do something to make a difference i once almost ran to be the mayor of Moreland, georgia but someone i live with she stopped me before i paid the <laughs> paid the fees there i almost you could call me mayor i share that's a true story i share this because you need to realize as a church and as a born-again believer i have you have a biblical worldview and you're going to make decisions, even political and election decisions, based on what the Bible says. And those two issues, up here on the screen, guys, you must know what you believe on that and why you believe it. And you need to know those verses. You should quote them. Say, so, I know. I believe that children from the moment of conception are a gift from God. God created them. And that if you take their life, it's murder. It's wrong. And secondly, homosexuality, it started right there. Sodom, God destroyed that city from fire from heaven. He called it a very serious sin. And, it's, and we see in the Old and the New Testament, homosexuality is condemned. Those two issues, when you go off to your school, you will be pounded on those two issues. If you are not rock solid in what you believe, I promise You'll be 24, 25 years old. You'll have these wishy-washy beliefs. So you'll come here and say, "Yeah, Daniel, I believe the Bible. Or st- yeah, amen. But then you'll be like Solomon and you'll believe these other lies too. And the Bible says when you get that way, you have a divided heart. So what we see here, we're about to have a Lord's Supper here in a minute. The goal here is for you to develop a biblical worldview. Saying, God, I'm going to run. Every amount of information, every decision, everything I do, I'm going to run it through the lens of Scripture. What does God say about this? What does the Word of God speak to this issue? Many of you have married, you've been like Solomon, you've married Pharaoh's daughter, and you have allowed into your life thinking, thoughts, people who should not be there. And they're pulling you away from the Lord. You're just like Solomon. He looked at Solomon and said, you have a divided heart. The difference between David and Solomon, David sinned, but he was always loyal to his devotion to God. Solomon was not always loyal to God. He was divided to God. This this morning, we're going to have our Lord's Supper. This is our time for self-examination. I want you to look. I want you to really think. says, God, do I have a biblical worldview? Do I make every decision by what your word says? Do I line up my thinking with what Scripture would have me believe? I want to invite our deacons at this point to come forward. We're going to take the Lord's Supper. Be seated. The Lord's Supper is a time for believers. Here at Broadway, we do the Lord's Supper every other month. It's a time for self examination. Uh, the Lord's Supper is for Christians. So if you are here and maybe you're not a born again believer, uh, the, um, uh, you don't have to participate in this. But this is a time for us as believers, we identify with Jesus Christ. If you remember, uh, two months ago, we celebrated Easter. And that was a time of Jesus' Passover, where he was the Passover. And he gave his body, and that's what the bread represents. This represents Jesus going to the cross, giving his life for us so we can be saved. What happened in the last meal with his disciples? Jesus, he picked up the bread and he prayed over it. So let's pray over our bread. Oh, Lord, we thank you for this bread. We know this bread represents your body. It represents your body because you gave it for us. Lord, we would be lost without you. Lord, we thank you for this bread. We pray that it's a time that we um, examine our hearts and our attitudes about where we stand in our relationship with you. And we we give you this bread. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. After the bread, Jesus picked up the cup. So at this point, we will pass out the cup. Amen. Then you may be seated. We serve each other during the Lord's Supper because Jesus served his disciples. That's one of the attributes of being a believer. We serve one another because Jesus set the example for that. So that's why someone always serves you during the Lord's Supper. Jesus picked up the cup during his final meal with his disciples, and he shared that this cup represents his blood. Uh, he gave his blood on the cross so we could live again, so we could be born again and receive his of gift of salvation. He picked up the cup and he prayed over it. Let's pray over our cup. God, we thank you for this cup. We know this cup represents your blood that you shed on the cross that you gave for us. We thank you for the uh, power, powerful symbolism of this. Lord, we identify with you through this cup. We say, I am a Christian through this cup. We say, I am forgiven through this cup because of what he shed on the cross for me with his blood. Lord, we thank you for what you did for us 2,000 years ago. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. After the Lord's Supper, they sang a song. Our song is going to be our hymn of invitation. This is your opportunity to respond to what God's speaking and doing in your life. We always close our services with invitation. It's the gospel call. It's an outward sign of what God's doing inside eternally. It's also an opportunity to join our church. So I'm going to invite everyone to stand. We're going to sing. sing and I think it's 307 in our songbook, just as I am. I'll be standing out front. Now is your time to respond to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. I had a couple of announcements I 'm going to make. Several things are going on here uh, this afternoon. The senior adults are going to El Toro, so uh, actually uh, today's esther's birthday, so we 're going to El Toro too. so, so senior <laughs> adults and Osman awesome family is going to El Toro. If you want to eat Mexican this afternoon, that's where a lot of folks are going out to uh, eat at this afternoon at four o'clock. We have VBS in a month away. We have our we do if you're wanting to know about how you can serve, you need to come today at four o'clock into the fellowship halls directly below us. This is our one-time VBS leadership training. So, um, Miss Nancy Crawford, Nancy, you raise your hand? I don't know if you see it. She's our VBS director there. And if you don't know where to serve, this is when you can find out a place for you to connect. I know on about noon on Friday, we already had 114 children signed up. So, a lot of kids have already signed up, so we need a lot of workers. It's going to be June 18th through 22nd. It's from 4 to 545. Also at six o'clock tonight, our evening worship service. We have a Southern Gospel group, uh, the Barkley Family Quartet. So they're going to be here at six o'clock, and then at, when they're done at seven, we have our business meeting. So we have it's going to be a non it's going to be a packed <laughs> afternoon. So you get El Toro, come VBS training, come to the Southern Gospel concert, then stay for business meeting. So that's our that's our schedule um, uh, this coming uh, I guess uh, this coming afternoon and evening with that. Also, whenever we have the Lord's Supper, we always collect an offering, a benevolent offering. So as you leave, we have deacons at their four different doors. This is just offering. All the time we get requests for folks' special needs, uh, maybe their electric bill or just areas of service. And our deacons head up our benevolent ministry. It's an opportunity for them to certainly meet some of those needs. So uh, you know, if, as you leave, you'll just want to, um, if you feel led, to certainly... Uh, make a gift to that at at the doors. David? All right, we'll sing together Now I Belong to Jesus.
6: Now I belong to Jesus Jesus belongs to me not for the years of time alone but for eternity